This morning we celebrate, along with the entire Christian world, the resurrection of Jesus. Consider for a moment if Jesus did not rise from the dead, if he did not overcome sin and death, then we would just be like a fraternity or some other group with no cause, no purpose, no hope. And if your circle of friends are mostly Christians, then let me remind you that the unsaved world does not share our hope of eternal life. And there is a lot of confusion out there in what we call basic Christianity. Uh, And that confusion comes from people supposing what it takes to have a saving relationship with the Lord. And we hear this from lyrics of songs, or country western songs in particular, Sociologists and authors, many like to deceive people to believe that a loving God would never condemn a person to eternal hell. Truth is, without Christ, you are already condemned. And when I drive around in my pickup truck, and I have one, And I listen to country music station because if you drive around in a truck, it's required that you listen to country music. There's an old classic country western song, and this group, they're singing words, and they're supposed to be words of comfort, and they're supposed to be from God's point of view in heaven towards man, and it goes, come on in, you did the best that you could do. Unfortunately, those words have nothing to do with God's requirement for eternal life. That's man's philosophy. No one will gain entrance into God's heaven by trying to be good. And being good is completely subjective. Being good to a criminal is not having robbed a bank lately or murdered anyone in the last, you know, few months. Being good to Mother Teresa is out feeding the hungry and taking care of the diseased and uh, disabled. So you can have radically opposing views of what being good is. Recent surveys have shown that many church-attending Christians, when, when they're asked why they are going to heaven, many of them will cite what they do not do. Really? I don't cheat on my spouse. Well, there you go. I don't lie to my friends. I am not dishonest in my business deals. I don't kick the dog when I'm angry. Reframing from doing bad things never means you are doing good things. 
So I want to try to clear up from God's word some confusion on what it is to gain eternal life. And let's face it, that's why we're here this morning. The hope of eternal life. In John 3, you may want to turn there, we'll be in John this morning. In John 3, we'll look at the first three verses of chapter 3. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, he's a ruler, a teacher of the Pharisees, and he holds the strict views, the conservative views of the Pharisees compared to the Sadducees. Nicodemus recognizes Jesus as a teacher from God. The signs, the miracles that Jesus has performed testify to Nicodemus that Jesus is God. Nicodemus has come to Jesus during the night, and it's probably because he doesn't want his other uh, religious peers to know that he's visiting this radical Jesus. For there is a tension now that is developed between Jesus and the Jewish leadership. And Jesus just just a few verses before, has made a whip of cords. He's drove out of the temple all the sacrificial animals, uh, along with the money changers. He's overturned tables. And Jesus proclaimed, Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Nicodemus has observed this. He has seen Jesus cleanse the temple. And this is a sign to Nicodemus that God is with Jesus. Nicodemus is now talking to Jesus, and Jesus immediately changes the conversation. He changes the subject. And it goes from small talk to eternal life instantly. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So according to Jesus, who died on the cross to give us life, is also the one who will now give us the requirements for eternal life, and that is you must be born again. It's been said that the entrance to heaven just got skinny. We should never fret, never get discouraged that eternal life is a narrow way. We rather would be grateful that there is a way to eternal life. And I heard it described this way and I liked it. You're on an ocean voyage cruise. You're on one of those big cruise ships. You slip. 
and fall overboard. Everyone runs to the railing. A crewman grabs a lifesaver, but it's a white lifesaver, and he's about to throw it to you. And you yell up to him from the water, no, no, don't throw me the white one, throw me the red one. If you were in that water about to drown, you want any color lifesaver that can be thrown at you. Yet mankind, the audacity of mankind, is to believe that they can choose how they will be saved. How I will enter heaven. And we hear so many different varieties. Jesus in verse 7 said, just three or four verses down, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Being born again is a spiritual act of God within our hearts. When we pray and accept Jesus as our Savior, He completely changes us, thus the term born again. Everything becomes fresh and new. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Sounds like Paul is describing a born-again experience to me. <laughs> so born-again is being made alive. Alive by the Spirit. A regeneration to life. Resurrection can be a difficult thing for the natural mind to accept. In fact, one of the disciples could not accept it. And that was Thomas, of course. Jaime mentioned Thomas briefly this morning. I thought he was going to steal my sermon, but he didn't. Jesus has risen from the grave, and now he is appearing to his disciples. And in John 20, 19 and 20, turn a few pages to your right, uh, verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus has come into a locked, closed room where his disciples are. Now the disciples, they're hiding because they're in fear of the Jewish leadership. Jesus comes into this room. He shows his disciple his hands, shows them his side, which had been pierced. And the disciples are glad. And glad is uh, not really expressing how overjoyed and happy they are. And then in verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, 
unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas, the other disciples tell him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And not one of the disciples, but all of the other disciples are telling Thomas of the resurrected Jesus. But then Thomas, true to his name, doubting Thomas, he says, unless I see the nail prints in his hand, place my hand in his side, where this spear had scarred him, I will not believe. That tells us something right there, Thomas' declaration. Believing is an act of our will, not of sorting out the truth. We always think, well, if I'm convinced with the facts, then I'll believe. No, no, no. Believing is an act of your will. We hear people say, I can't believe, I will not believe. And they have already made up their mind about the resurrection of Jesus, whether they believe it or not. And in verse 26, and then after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus has just did another of his through the wall into their midst <laughs> manifestations. They're gathered there and Jesus appears into a locked closed room. But this time we have Thomas and Thomas is there. And Jesus confronts Thomas. And he says, Thomas, go ahead and touch me. Put your hand into my side. And then the rebuke by Jesus. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. To Thomas' credit, he instantly repents and confesses. And he says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus speaks to anyone who will ever read these verses. All of humanity. Thomas because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. And blessed simply means they're, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy we are as believers simply because we believe. Today we're happy. We're happy for the resurrected Jesus. We're happy in our bodies. We're happy in our soul and in our spirit because we believe. But when scripture speaks of believing, it's a little deeper than simply a mental agreement. 
to believe in Scripture means to trust in and rely upon. And that's more than just assuming something is correct. To believe is to trust in and rely upon. Now, Satan and his demons totally accept and believe that Jesus exists. But they do not trust in him and they do not rely upon him. Resurrection simply means to rise or return to life again. No big news there. We know what resurrection is. <clears throat> but don't miss this. And this is critical. Resurrection is coming back to life. Resurrection is coming back to life. Life which was there previously. If you have never been born again, then resurrection is a foreign turn to you. You do not know what it's like to return to life if you have never been born spiritually. There can be no returning to life if there has never been life. Therefore, here's the good news. I highly recommend becoming born again of the Spirit, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, be born again. So this morning, our Lord Jesus can bring you life, eternal life, if you've never been born again. And if you have been born again, then we celebrate his resurrection, his returning to life. And that gives us the great hope of having life eternally. Now we have a little prayer area in the back where we will have people there who will be glad to pray with you about being born again. Jesus said, you got to do it. If you want to come to my heaven, my requirement, you must be born again. Amen? Amen. He is risen. He is risen. All right, let's stand enough.